Today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. Your iPad, too, but mostly your phone. Uh, you can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. Dollar. That's a small amount for large companies. Uh, and that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to totalsoccer.robinhood.com. That's totalsoccer.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations, annual percentage yield, APY, or uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm Taylor Rockwell, and I'm doing the introduction today. But Daryl is indeed going to be on today's episode, as are Lori Lindsay and Jordan Angeli. Uh, they're both former professional soccer players turned analysts, and they were both in Baltimore to cover the NWSL draft, which happened today, uh, Thursday, January 16th, if you're listening today. Uh, Daryl and I are also in Baltimore for both the draft and the United Soccer Coaches Convention. So the four of us uh, all got together after the draft happened to break down the moves that did happen, which fans will be happiest, which fans will be the opposite of that and how the draft and the league has changed uh, over the years. I'm also happy to add that Jordan will be partnering Joe Lowry to launch an MLS-specific show uh, that will be in partnership with our program. So it was really nice to get to meet Jordan for the first time. Uh, She was excellent interviewing every single draftee in attendance. Then she took the time to come over and chat with us, which was very much appreciated. Uh, We also met Lori for the first time today, but she has not yet agreed to do a podcast with us. So right now she's a tiny bit less excellent than Jordan. Ball's in your court, Lori. Uh, So with all that said, um, and uh, I think fighting words as well. Uh, here's myself and Daryl talking to Lori and Jordan live at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. And yes, before we get your tweets, there is indeed a fountain in the background. So prepare yourselves accordingly. All right. So we are here with Laurie Lindsay and Jordan Angeli. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Nice we, little setup hello. you guys got here. Thank you. Yeah, we're on Podcast Row. It's our nice little booth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was expecting some, some treats, some snacks on Podcast Row, but maybe next year, guys. Slim pickings here. Uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta step up our game. By the way, the first voice you heard there was Jordan. Second voice, Lori, just so we can get people. Thank uh, you. Accustomed to who's speaking and what. And then I am Daryl, obviously. That's you the are easy not. way to go. I am not. You I am wish. Not. You wish. <laughs> so we are here. We're sitting here post NWSL draft. You were both involved um, in the broadcast, right? We so were. Jordan, I was very familiar with your work because I was sitting right next to where you were interviewing players as they came off stage after they were drafting. Laurie, I didn't see a second of the, the broadcast <laughs> I, because you? I was in the room. Yeah. Right? I could just see, I think I could see your back. Yeah, exactly. Well, you could see yeah. it on the screen. You back. Correct. Okay, yeah. makes sense. Yes. yes. And She's I was on the back. desk with the wonderful Marissa Pilla, who's the host, and then the brilliant Jen Cooper, who was like our nerd data stats woman. The keeper. Jen Cooper, the keeper. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She knows the keeper all. notes. Yep. It is wild what she knows. So was this, in terms of, this is what, your third draft, Jordan, mm-hmm. your second draft, Lori, is correct. that correct? Yep. How, how was this for you? Was this about normal from what you've experienced uh, previously? Was it more dramatic with all the trades that happened? 
I mean, I feel like it felt really smooth on our end. That that felt really smooth, but it was wild. Like the last week and even today, the amount of draft picks that were traded, the amount of players that were traded. I mean, this last week in NWSL, they call it silly season and like it makes sense because because they thought there was maybe going to be a new team, an expansion team in Sacramento coming this season, all of these trades and all of these um, things that maybe would have happened earlier in the off season didn't happen until the last week when there was official word that Sacramento wasn't going to come into league. So okay. um, it kind of pushed everything all together, and it was like one after another. Like our text chain was crazy <laughs> as we're trying to prep, and we're like, who's where? What's happening? Um, but it made it fun. Oh, it made it so fun. And, and Jordan said it right. It was just wild. That's exactly what it was. I mean, drafts or excuse me, trades were taking place. Mm-hmm. Seriously, two in the minutes, hole, right? two minutes. Yeah. Well, in the hole, but also two minutes right before the, the draft even started. We were like, OK, we're ready to go. And then it's like, nope, trades <laughs> and not just one or two. I mean, mo- like big, big trades that are yeah. the structure of what's happening in that first round. I so, lost track. I honestly yeah. lost oh, track. So did I. I didn't even write down. I just on. let. Jen Cooper and Marissa ready down. I was like, okay, they'll tell me what's happening. Yeah, and you guys were sitting right next to me. And after the first round, I was like, I put both of my hands up. I was like, can anybody give me a draft order of what's happening next? Because no, I have was the no, answer. We couldn't. No. We didn't know. I, did, I looked for you and I couldn't find it. Right? Yeah. I did appreciate Meg Linehan was sitting right in front of us. And I think yeah. right before it Brilliant. started, I think, I think she, she turned to Jordan and was like, it's like this now. And you're like, okay, I got to change some things. Honestly, godsend. Yeah. She's a brilliant, amazing, and the amount that she puts in, uh, the work that she puts mm-hmm. in is such a lifesaver and just like beautiful for the women's game. Yeah, I felt sort of like cheap that most of our tweets during the draft were just sort of like what Meg said. I'm just going to retweet that and maybe <laughs> quote it, but really, mostly just retweet it. Did you really put what Meg said? Because that would be um, amazing. Actually. I think I said, as always, like just follow Meg or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. See? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Here's my question Why were there so many like uh, trades and deals happening just before when teams have had? at least a week or so since Sacramento's announcement, right? Like, surely all of this could have been figured out in the last week instead of in the final few minutes before. I think there's a, there's a couple of things to that. One, we have expansion coming next year that we know about. So it's the first draft that we've known, the draft prior, that we know there's going to be expansion going into the next year. And so there's, a lot, there's actually a lot of movement knowing that allocated players, they're not going to be able to protect all those players. So there's movement, we believe, that happened there is still taking place to kind of mitigate that risk of allocated players just going for free instead Hmm. of, hey, can we trade them now while they're still our asset? I see. And so can we trade them before this draft to say, hey, um, we'll get some draft picks for you if you take this player off our hands, thinking next year if we have have four U.S. women's national team players, we can only protect two, knowing that Louisville's coming into the league next year. We can only protect two players, so those other two might go for free. We can trade one of them now and get something from it. That was really why so much happened last so week. So if you're a Washington Spirit fan and you're maybe a little upset about Mallory Pugh leaving, that would be the rationale behind it? Potentially. I mean, Potentially, it depends. Yeah. I don't know the inner workings of that trade. Um, but at the same time, yes, that could be the thought process there and um, open up, you know, or mitigate, as you said, that, yeah. that risk. But also, I think the main topic around or theme around this this draft this year was the fact that it is the eighth season and clubs are more established pros are more established and there's not as much like droppage of players right the past two leagues have been only three years each and so you would see drop off of players but now players with allocation money the increase in pay the payment of housing 
it is way more established in that regard, allowing for these players to stay on longer. So, which really makes it difficult for these players that are coming in as draftees to make an impact because no one's going there. And once you have a few years under your belt in this league, that is a massive difference yeah. in coming in as a rookie because of the athleticism, the technical ability, the tactability, the length of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's just such a different, and it's a huge step from college to pros. So, how, how, sorry, I wanted to interject. I'm actually stealing a point you made earlier. Uh, Louis, we were, I think Daryl knew this off the top of his head. Is it correct in saying that you played in all three of the <laughs> yeah. different leagues? I know, it's like so, such a, like, <laughs> dating me and, like, hee-hee, no one knows my actual age. You started playing professionally at, what, 13? We'll go yeah, that way. That's when it began. Teenager, Fred, yeah, the Freddie Adu of women's soccer. It's not Toby Smith, Actually, more. <laughs> but how, how different is the NWSL now from the leagues that existed uh, previously when you were playing in them and when you were in NWSL when you were playing? Yeah, I mean, listen, some of those, some of the teams that I was on in those leagues, phenomenal, mm-hmm. like all-star teams. You're talking about Abby Wambach, Becky Sauerbrunn, Amari Sawa. I've, I've heard of those people. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're talking world all-stars and then like put me on that team too. It's like, whoa, okay, how fortunate am I? Uh, I mean, you were 14. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's <laughs> phenom, right? So... Um, so no doubt were those leagues yeah. extremely strong mm-hmm. in their own right, but it's now about establishing and it's uh, about true professionals, right? I mean, it's it's giving people an actual career that mm-hmm. I don't think they felt like they had before. And, and it's allowing players to develop. I mean, in three years and then the league folds, there's never a chance for these players to develop and get used to the league, mm-hmm. right? So it's really about players who, who want to stick around and try to train on their own and, or either already on the national team. Now, you're seeing players evolve, develop under these systems of play in current clubs, and they're shifting around. I mean, it's it's really feels the difference is it's high level as we've seen in the past leagues, more physical, better athletes than we've seen, technical superiors. I mean, it just keeps elevating yeah. across the board. But there's a professionalism that's you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the all across league. the board. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I think you notice is that Chicago Red Stars stick out to me because they had this phenomenal 2015 draft class, and all of those the majority of those players are still playing for the Chicago Red Stars. So this is a team who made it to the final this year. So they knocked down that next door of like getting to the final, and it's hard. It's going to be hard to break in that to that team, right? Because these professionals have been in a club environment, in that culture for so long. So um, this league has just continued to grow in so many ways. So how many of the uh, the draftees, if that's the correct word, today can expect to can expect to like really not easily, but can expect to realistically compete for being in the starting eleven? Uh, with Million dollar question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is? All right. I think that is actually the biggest yeah. question, and it's it's really hard to say. I mean, because I would say like we watch say Sophia Smith highlights, and yeah. we're like, whoa, yeah, she's she's, she's got to be straight and, in there. But and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on what you're pointing uh, your point again. But like that's a player who basically Portland traded away Emily Sonnet in order to be able to have. And both of us were a little bit confused about like you're you're getting rid of an established national team player to bring in sort of a question mark mm-hmm. a, a very high potential question mark but a question mark nonetheless yeah and i think there's a couple thoughts to that too one portland had enough of north carolina being the top so like Mm -hmm. we're going to be aggressive we're going to be aggressive what we want we want to revamp we didn't score in our last six games of 2019 even though we have quality players like tobin heath christine sinclair lindsey haran in these positions so how can we elevate the final third for ourselves and then two emily sonnet is an allocated player knowing that she could potentially be unprotected next year and they'll have to give her away from free. Uh-huh. If Orlando wants somebody, then great, we'll take her, 
right? Like, we'll, we, we can give one player away and get multiple options probably for themselves. This is why I'm happy you all are here because yeah. you, you make and, sense of things well, that make them yeah. very clear. And maybe in the short term, Orlando wins that, right? Mm-hmm. Because Sonnet is going to go in and she's going to significantly help that Orlando team who needs to solidify their back line a little bit more. But I think in the long term, that's what Portland's thinking. Like, this is a, a young girl. Rumors are that her time with the national team this past week was went really well. She is speedy. I think is something different that Portland has going forward. And she like, she is like kind of gives you a different look where she's like, I'm a forward. You're a defender. I am going at you all day long. <laughs> and I don't think we have a lot of that in this league. And so it might not happen like right away. It might happen right away. But I think they're like long gaming this and saying like, hey, she's going to continue to be a, a star player in, in NWSL, but also with the women's national team. So, and, and to add to that, too, what a perfect time to bring her in, right? You have Christine Sinclair, yeah. one of the best, most likely going to surpass Abby Wambach's goal scoring record in international soccer. You have Tobin Heath, Lindsey Horan. I mean, you have these players that are going to take this player under their wing and help solidify her and mold her into not into a player that she can potentially be. I mean, true professionals underneath her. Yeah, The biggest thing that we talked about with all the coaches and we spoke a lot about is if the the spots are so limited, right, and you're bringing in a player, yeah, the talent in this pool was really broad. Like, there was was a lot of talented players in this draft pool. Um, It was like, what's their character like? Are they going to be able to come in here, put in a year, put in two years, and then maybe not start and play until their thir- third year. That, that's, a, that's potentially like what could happen to some of these players. So they were making sure that they found the players with the, that right like character on and off the field that can enhance their culture, but also fit in a little bit too, you know, and, and not um, rock the boat too much because you go from being a star to like playing with all of the stars. Yeah, it's like being like top of your grades yeah. in high school and then you go to college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Exactly. So which teams, given where like everybody was at the like prior to the draft, who do you think improved themselves the most from when the draft began to now? Who, who, with the drafts, with the trades they might have made, with the pieces they picked up, which teams do you think are in a significantly stronger position now than they were at the beginning of the day? That, I, I enjoyed that question because I was thinking about that uh-huh. towards the end. And we, we didn't cover this because at the end it started going pretty quickly. But it was like, who won this draft mm-hmm. in my mind? And last year you could potentially say like the Spirit won it. They had so many picks and they got some quality players. That ended up being like pretty good for them mm-hmm. and now have a year under their belt. But in, in everybody's own right, I felt like everyone did well it's just what a they matter needed, they kind of filled those yeah, gaps they were able to get what they needed according to what they had told us and like hey this is what what this is what we feel like we need this is what we're going to go after and if we can't get that we're just going to go with the best player available mm-hmm. but for the most part how it panned out everyone i feel like if you look at orlando i mean bottom of the barrel right i mean they really need to get some players and they traded and were aggressive to get sonnet caitlin ford's right some future draft picks yeah. and then they get Taylor Korniak, they get a left-footed player, and Courtney Peterson. So those they're starting to plug some spots that already will help, hopefully, Marta's, Sid LaRue's, yeah. right, to elevate. Because that's what they needed. They needed some players that could, like, really just kind of elevate what they already have. Because was, there was no middle ground at Orlando. Mm-hmm. Same, with, same with Sky Blue, right? And they were aggressive. Looks like Mal Pugh's going there. McCall Zervoni, who's been a long-time pro. I mean, you... Uh, yeah. Ashley Stanton... Uh, is going to Washington. Not going there. She's yeah. wh- who was their first? Oh, Sky, uh, Sky Evelyn Vines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, for the most part, across the board. So everybody wins. That's kind yeah. of a rare I mean, draft I, situation. I still have some question marks with Utah and uh, Houston, and depending on like what those how that pans out, because Utah doesn't have a coach. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was so hard. Kind of Utah, Seattle haven't named their coaches yet. So um, excuse me, Rain. Uh, it, so I think that's a little bit difficult, like knowing what those that's going to change everything. Yeah. Like to what system do they want to play? How do they want to play? And what players they just brought in. So, um, you know, you hope that those, those people drafting at mm-hmm. that table have some knowledge of who the coach is going to be. And there's, there's a little bit of um, story behind the scenes there, but I think Orlando, I think Orlando got a, a lot of defenders. They got some good forward types and Taylor Korniak in the middle, which is going to add a different spark i think you're a big fan of tyler cunia right? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think yeah yeah I, I think yes from what i saw from her she was playing as a central midfielder i think for yeah. colorado yeah I, I feel like maybe her and alex morgan would be a, a solid combination although i did strange you want her to, to say, be up top kind of forgot about marta i don't feel like i should have done that that's a front two that's gonna be great and then i was like oh right yeah yeah she she's kind of good exactly taylor the one thing that excites me with the front i mean think if Orlando has Sid LaRue, Alex Morgan, and Marta. Those are the, you, you play a 4-3-3, mm-hmm. three, three, and then you put Taylor Korniak, and everybody's going to say Ariel. Cause she's 6-1. Like, it's the first thing you notice about her. But one of the things that's impressed me the most, because I'm in Colorado, I call out of CU games, and so I've seen her over the last four years develop into this player, and she, her, her passing ability and ability to like pick out the right run and play the ball into the right seam is really good, and I think that is going to really be she's going to be able to do that in Orlando mm-hmm. much more still to come from our conversation with Lori Lindsay and Jordan Angeli we've got lots of NWSL draft still to discuss but first I wanted to let you know that today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by our friends at ExpressVPN uh, we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security but it also allows you to watch other stuff like other TV uh, you can use say you love anime for example let's go anime route I don't Daryl loves it it's all he watches it's what he's doing right now while I record this ad He's not on mic, so he can't dispute that. What Daryl can do is use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. Uh, You can use ExpressVPN uh, for any streaming service, be it Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it, you can use it. Uh, There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that we use ExpressVPN, why we stick with ExpressVPN, is because it's ridiculously fast. You don't have connectivity problems. You're not going to get booted for random reasons. You're not going to get buffering or lag or anything like that. It works just as well now as it always has. I just want to cut in to say that Miyazaki is a genius. <laughs> there we go. Now he's on mic to confirm my theory. Um, but yes, uh, ExpressVPN is also compatible with your devices. So that could be your phone, media console, smart TVs, your iPad. You could be in bed watching Japanese Netflix even though you're not in Japan. It's the easy way to make that happen instead of flying all the way to Tokyo. Uh, if you visit our special link right now, it's expressvpn.com slash TSS. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash TSS. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash T-S-S. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to our conversation regarding the NWSL draft. Jordan, one question we wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, so you were interviewing everybody yes. as they came off stage. Who was the most confident? Because I saw a few people look a little right. nervous it, at the They stand. are nervous. And I am, I am just trying to make them feel like Okay, take a deep breath. This is amazing. You just your dreams are yeah. coming true. Um, I had some really great interviews. I I did the most confident. You know who I liked the most, and Lori and I are on the same page with this. 
Zierra King. She I knew that was yes. going to be She was so good. She <laughs> was just like easy to talk to. You could tell she she like knew who she was and um I loved the shaved head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the bleached hair. She just had a cool swag about her and um she had a little dance You know what I like? She had a little dance. Started, yeah. <laughs> on stage and I didn't notice this till afterwards. I heard someone I saw somebody tweet it, but she thanked so many people but she thanked the grounds crew mm-hmm. she thanked the staff like um, Tony behind, Jr. I think yeah, tweeted that one yeah d- d- behind the scenes at um, where she went to school it was just like that was amazing to, to have the awareness as a player who this is like the biggest moment in your career to know that it's not just about you yeah and like I know Lori and I were on the same page like when we played together like you say hi to the person at the front desk when you walk into the spirit. You say hi to the grounds, uh, like the groundskeeper and the dog that were at Washington Spirit, were our, our best friends. Like true story. That means <laughs> yeah. groundskeeper the dog. What's up? Um, that means a lot, and it means a lot to a lot of people, right? And it creates a culture, and I think she's going to fit into to the culture. I mean, she, you just you all just thank the dog, so I feel like yeah, you, boy, you get it. Boy, I understand right? now why you why you're so connected. Zero King too is untapped potential as well. I was fortunate to call some of her games because it was mm-hmm. the ACC playing for NC State and and I love it. When I was talking to Steve Swanson, the UVA coach, and he was like, yes, I am a fan of hers and I agreed wholeheartedly. I was loved calling her games. And he was like, she is the player when you're, her team's down 3-0. You're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. oh goodness, like this, isn't, this doesn't feel safe because if she is eager to get the ball and start running at you, she will make things happen. She's a game changer. So I really hope we see that from her and mm-hmm. that she's able to shine at Utah. Yeah. Were you all surprised by, with everything we've talked about with, like they've got this attacking piece and this attacking piece and this attacking piece and now they've added another one. I think every pick, as far as I can tell, in the first round were attacking players and at least the first few in the second round were more defense-minded. Were you surprised that we didn't have more defenders go early or is that kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to the draft? We knew we knew the lefties were going to be... I have my own thoughts on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Lori's thoughts are good on this, but we knew the lefty, left-footed players... You know that's like gold. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're a lefty, you play on the left side. Whether you know Courtney Peterson was the only defender, but she can play winger too. She really plays anywhere on the the outside, and she went to Orlando. Can I can I clarify real fast? Why being a lefty are you golden? Is it is there just like a because there's of left- just not like a lot of natural lefties, huh. and um, it's, it's a very hard position. I mean, think about our U.S. Women's National Team. Like that was always the spot that's like <laughs> oh, been right. very hard to fill. Yeah. And um, Crystal Dunn at left back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you now. <laughs> so you're just kind of like this golden nugget that people yeah. want. And there, there was a couple in this draft, and Lori kept saying, Courtney Peterson, the best one. She's the best one. And she got taken in the first round. I think she's going to be a real addition to Orlando. Yeah. And I think if you're looking at Courtney, Courtney Peterson, it's not like there's like this major flair to her, right? There, but there's still upside, mm-hmm. especially on the defensive side to learn more mm-hmm. of the 1v1 positioning, yeah. her defensive presence back there but she can get forward you can teach the defensive aspect of the game but yeah she can get forward she can serve in good balls especially when she has some room to to maneuver but this is a lose-lose what I'm gonna say so it's like whoever's (laughs) listening sorry and you can feel free to totally like disagree with this but I I think everyone just leaned in closer yeah Yeah, Yeah. I did too I'm like listen to this right conclusion and this is like mind-blowing information but especially in the NWSL because it is an athletic league because the women's game is is like on the rise continually to evolve Mm -hmm. and there's always a discussion about the tactical understanding of American players right whether anybody agrees or disagrees that is 
usually a question, mm-hmm. like a question or a conversation. But I think what's interesting about drafting a ton of these strikers is it doesn't always pan out. Because it's, in my opinion, it's easier to disrupt and defend than it is to create. And when you're going against players or these players have been able to be far superior at the college level against pretty good athletes, but they've been able to use their athleticism to get in behind back lines. Their first touch hasn't had to be that great. They haven't had as much sophistication um, in terms of their runs or how they create opportunities for themselves. I'm not speaking specifically about anybody in this draft. I'm just speaking generally. It is a rude awakening when you get to the next level and you're competing against somebody that's like, F you, I am stealing this ball, I will take your legs off. If you're playing against somebody like a Becky Sauer run who is a genius in defense, right? And is like, excuse me, I'm just going to steal the ball and step in front of you. And so, and I don't think people understand that's the separation between the college game and this game. And so it it is a rude awakening for a lot of these strikers. So it's about finding the strikers that maybe have some different tools Mm -hmm. um, and have had to like maneuver and have a different look at, at their game at the at the college level. And so I actually am surprised that there weren't more defenders because mm-hmm. I think they could step in immediately, especially if you have some some solid players that have been in the league that can yeah. help you grow into your game. I think because what we see mm-hmm. is a lot of strikers are converted to defenders. Yeah. And then it's those athletic strikers that are now defenders matching up with the players that are coming out that have used their athleticism and it's like whoa I'm not that athletic anymore that so. makes sense. It's, a, it's a cycle it's a yeah. cycle is what, yeah. what I'm realizing here so did you did you all have that like rookie experience coming in of thinking you would be like totally fine and then like did you get the ball taken off of you a little bit or, like oh. Oh, more readily than... I would think I cried during one game oh. I remember I was playing against internationals I played for the San Diego Spirit my very first game I was like oh. <laughs> I was a big fish in a small yeah. pond. what the hell is this I mean players were flying by me the technical ability I mean yeah it was it was like ooh, I am going to need to think faster play quicker it was a good thing I never relied on my athleticism, so I had that kind of in my back pocket. I just right. needed to speed it up. I, you speak to what was yeah. I it was it is a big eye opener. I just not even the first game, like going to training every day, and I was going up against Amy Lapelbit, and I'm like, how am I how am I going to get past her? How am I going to do enough to like? Maybe I'm not going to get past her, but I got to keep the ball right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I. Same thing. Like, I wasn't the athletic speed beats everything type of player. And so I never relied on that. I relied on, like, my soccer brain. And um, I think that helped me a little bit more transition. But it wasn't easy because I didn't play for half the season. And then I played for the second half of the season. And um, to stick through that, and that's, like, the mentality and the character that we talk about these players coming in and why these coaches are really investing in figuring out what these players are, like, on and off the field is, like, will these be types of players where these first few months are going to be hard, really hard, and they're going to probably cry after games, maybe because they play, (laughs) maybe because they don't game, or in the (laughs) middle of one. Um, But then they're going to understand that every single day they actually are getting better, and they can step in, and we're going to give them an opportunity, and they're going to flourish in that. So, um, yeah, it it is an Mm eye-opener for sure. And it's hard, too, because you just got drafted, so you think, like, I'm on a team. Like, all these people still have to make the team. Yeah, I kind of didn't think about that. That must be kind of nerve-wracking to be like, I made it, but kind of not really. I hope this goes well. I feel like that would be a strange evening to have Especially something like Rain FC, where they had, like, 31 players under contract to start, like, at the end of their season, right? And, like, that was kind of like a joke when we were talking to them. They're like, we don't have any, really have any needs because we have 31 players. (laughs) Gotta get rid of people. uh, All right, then. Yeah. 
All right, so they've got some work to do. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're very aware that uh, you've got a dinner to be at in, mm-hmm. a, in a few minutes. Um, is there anything from the draft today that was like a big thing that stuck out to you that Taylor and I just didn't think to ask about? Or so this, it, is, this is my casual question at the end. Or if yeah, super casual. We'll just throw that down. out there. What was that last one? I said, or if, if it's easier, were there any players that were maybe further down that you thought would be further up or that you would expect to maybe be okay even if they were second, third, fourth round? That's just a possible one, question. One player that I'm, I'm excited about, because uh, I called some Stanford games, is Samantha Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got picked 33rd. She played at Stanford, captain of the Stanford team that won two national championships. She was captain of the U-20s. Um, I, I think she reads the game really well, and it will be interesting to see how she fits in on that Seattle team if she can find her way in. Um, like Lori said, like maybe a little bit easier for a defender to to find their way into a starting lineup. Or, um, but I I like her. I like her as a person too. I think she's just going to add a lot to uh, the rain and what they're doing. So I maybe was surprised she, she went so far down. But um, did she seem disappointed when you interviewed she her? She was not here. Oh, she's not here. Yeah, okay, she wasn't here. No, but that, I guess that makes it easier. Yeah, I'm sure she's not too disappointed. She got drafted, and she just won a national championship. I think she's doing all right. Yeah, she's, she's doing just fine. <laughs> I know how that feels. No, I don't. All right. Well, we really do appreciate y'all taking all the time. I know it's been a very long day, and now you've got dinner. And I'm assuming many other events to get to. Um, but yeah, any other any other thoughts on the 2020 draft before? It was fun. I just am so excited to be a part of it every year because you, I get to talk to the players right after their dreams come to fruition, and like that's a special moment, and uh, it's cool to be a part of that. Yeah, I was telling Jordan afterwards, I'm like, I'm always, it always feels so fortunate to be able to do that work and remember what it was like for us and then also witness and be such an integral part of like where women's soccer is, where it's going, and how far we've come so it's always fun all right laurie jordan thank you so much for yeah, joining thank us. you Appreciate this is it. awesome thank you guys